You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and I am your ever humble, yet ever so sexy host, Pimp Cron. We are the only podcast that caters specifically to fluff and casual players, and we hope to ignite the flame of hobby inside all of you. And also, generally, we just kind of talk shit about competitives. That's that's also kind of our MO. So we do, uh, as far as I'm concerned, have a show for you tonight, and we will be covering all sorts of things. We have a uh, Tesseract mailbox with an actual female human writing in that listens to the show, and that's her words, not mine, just... Wait to hear it. We also have a Want That or Want That Not with Miss Cron and the Pimp Cron discussing the Beastmen Endless Spells. And, uh, you know what? I won't even say anything about that. You can just listen. We also have a, well, here's an idea with Loremaster Alex and the Pimp Cron where we discuss how not to be a dick playing Warhammer. Following all of that, we have a real talk with the Pimp Cron once again with Loremaster Alex, and it's why there be no female models. And wrapping up the show, we have a Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron featuring part two of our coverage of Ishtar IRL in real life for you that are not hip with the with the kids lingo. Dog. No, you know what? I'm sorry. The words yo, dog, and clutch are exclusively banned from the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast for reasons that probably most of you understand. If you don't, then I can't help you. But the point is, is that we have a real, ooh, a real down and dirty part two for the Ishtar, and where we discuss not so much Ishtar and her myths behind her, but the actual historical humans that worshipped her, and her many forms and her many names, and the the freaky shit they like to get into. And I'm telling you right now, this is this is going to end up being one of the more graphic uh Let's get brittles with the Pimpcrons because this is these these people. I mean, these are just regular humans, but they they do know how to party. I'll say that much. So, without further ado, I am excited for this episode. I hope you are too. And uh, I do want to do a little shout out to Shorehammer, my uh, fluff and casual convention in Ocean City, Maryland. That's November thirtieth through December second. And tickets, of course, are on sale. They've been on sale for months, but. They get more expensive with each passing month, so it is smart for you to get that sooner than later. And it is fastly approaching us, and I am getting super psyched. We're spending all of our spare time painting new terrain and buying new mats and uh, ordering all the trophies and that that sweet, sweet championship belt, 54 or 52-inch genuine leather uh, championship belt, and that is just awesome, I gotta tell you. That's what everybody's fighting for with the Highlander tournament. So hopefully, any of you that are listening may actually come join us. Uh, I know some of you are, like um, Mr. Andrew, our first year's champion, and Mr. Scott. So hopefully we will see even more of you. Bring your friends, bring your kids. Actually, don't bring your kids. Bring your wives. Eh, kind of iffy on that. But at least bring yourselves and anybody who plays Warhammer because it's a great time. Everybody's a friend, and uh, I've seriously been thinking about a pretty damn cheesy motto for Shorehammer, and it would go something like, where fun is always the objective. You tell me in email or whatever if you like that or not, because I it, it fits our, our convention perfectly, but on the other hand, it's awfully cheesy, but, you know, fun really is the the objective there and it's a little play on words i hope you picked up on that maybe if you're not completely stupid you did ah <sighs> i'm rambling let's get this show on the road no i say that every damn week i gotta come up with another phrase let's do this thing i guess that'll have to do let's do this thing let's open the tesseract mailbox Hey everybody, it's time for the Tesseract Mailbox, and today we have a bona fide message from a female human. That's right, let's dive into it. Greetings, Kron, actual female person here. I, I like that phrasing. 
I have played Age of Sigmar since it came out, and I love it. It seems that you don't believe women actually play. I get that there aren't many of us, but our numbers are growing. We are Legion, or some shit. <laughs> Good podcast. I listen to it while hobbying and jogging. I just wanted to chime in and let you know there is at least one uterus that listens to your show. <laughs> and she put her full name. I'm not going to give her full name out. But it's A. Dylan. Is I, I'm a now the reason why I want to mention this is because she wrote down a female name, a traditional female name as the A. I just abbreviated it. But when I say it like that, A. Dylan. Dylan is a man's name. So that's kind of hurting your case here, uh, Miss Dylan. But no, honestly, she wrote a female name, so this is I'm just abbreviating it for privacy. But I thought it was funny that it makes A. Dylan. It's like A. Fred. Hey, I'm an actual woman. Signed, A. Fred. Um, well, thank you, Miss Dylan, for listening to the podcast. And I do have a question, though. You say you listen to it while you're hobbying and jogging. I'm assuming those are two different actions. I'm really hoping that you don't hobby while jogging, while listening to a podcast. It does seem interesting that you say that you play Age of Sigmar, because I've said this before, that it does seem like more women are drawn to Age of Sigmar than Warhammer 40k. I don't know what that is about that. Maybe 40k is takes itself too seriously, and Age of Sigmar is more of the high fantasy, or, or I think they're calling it heroic fantasy now. But I do appreciate you chiming in. Because it is good to actually hear from somebody that is a actual female person, as you put it. That's uh, that's pretty cute. So, you know, in the in the past, I've said that no women play the game. Obviously, some women play the game. I have witnessed in my life two whole human women play this game. So I know there are women out there. The truth is out there, as they say. So I'm not saying that no woman plays, obviously. I can't I can't talk in that sort of platitude. But, you know, you got to admit, and she does, uh, Miss Dylan uh, does admit that um, there aren't many of them, but they are Legion or some shit. <laughs> I would love to hear a demon being uh, exercised. You know, it's it's throwing up green stuff, it's vomiting, it's, it's spitting and, and cussing and all that, and it says... You know, what's your name, demon? And it says, we are legion, or some shit. I like it. And I do appreciate that your uterus listens to my show. So, I guess that's it. Um, You know what? This is a little bit of a short one, so I'm also going to throw in an iTunes review. Alright, I'm bringing it up. This review comes from Kohorn. <laughs> and this is an iTunes review. This is our very first iTunes review. And it says, if you love 40k and satire with a side of brutality, it's the podcast for you. Five stars. Fun fu fun podcast. It's worth a listen unless you are easily offended. And you know what? Given that uh, the end of this episode is going to discuss some pretty unsavory things about real-life Ishtar cultists... I think this is probably good advice. Fun podcast. It's worth a listen unless you are easily offended. Now, I don't really think we're, you know, too terrible. Alex occasion occasionally shits himself. And, <laughs> but, uh, thank you very much, Kohorn. It's spelled corn like the demon, but there's two H's. I'm assuming maybe the, the, uh, the single H corn was taken. But I very much appreciate the five stars. And actually, this brings me to a good point. We need more reviews from you guys if you do not mind if you don't mind taking a moment i have found it incredibly difficult to figure out how to even view my ratings and reviews on itunes on stitcher on all of that so i am no expert at this i'm actually quite new at this whole podcast thing it seems to me like the itunes thing you have to pull up our podcast and when you click on that, there's um there's tabs that say details and ratings and reviews. You click on the ratings and reviews and you put down a customer rating and please review us. Whether it's one star or five stars, it would be great because more people will see it on searches and whatnot. On Stitcher, I have found that the app, I cannot find any option to rate a podcast on the app. 
So what you have to do is go to stitcher.com, search for Pimp Crown's Warhammer podcast, and then you can leave a rating there. It seems like it should be way easier than it is. And if uh, one of you can correct me if Stitcher does have a way to rate podcasts on their app. I am not a super tech-savvy person, but I cannot find it. And matter of fact, there's a lot of podcasts I listen to on Stitcher, and I don't know how to rate them. So, uh, besides going on the website and whatnot. So, I will actually, to make it a little easier on you, if you want to rate us on Stitcher, I will put the link down in the show notes. And I don't think there's any way that I can actually um, add a link to the place where you write a review on iTunes. But either way, it would, I would greatly appreciate it. The more reviews you get, good or bad, the more often that you show up on searches for if someone says, oh, Warhammer Podcast, then we want the good old Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast showing up immediately. And um, I don't think, once again, I'm not an expert, but Podbean, which hosts this podcast, I cannot find any way at all to rate any podcast on Podbean, whether it's on their website or on the app. And once again, you can correct me if I'm wrong and I will, you know, um, redact that on the air. But I have tried and tried and tried and Google searched and whatnot. And I just honestly don't think Podbean has a rating uh, aspect to it. I could be wrong, but to be a robot, I am not that tech savvy. Anyway, so you got a bonus fan mail tonight and that was from Kohohorn and uh Miss uh I forgot her name already. Miss A, I'm going to say. Uh Miss Dylan. Miss Dylan, I appreciate you writing in. I hope I didn't make too much fun of you. Um and I really do appreciate you listening. Thank you for showing it to your uterus because um from what I understand reproductive organs really like this podcast. So I very much appreciate it and I am going to just stop talking out the side of my face now. On to the next segment. Want that or want that not? Well, look now. We're at that point of the episode where we will talk about something we be wanting or we be not wanting. It's called want that or want that not. Today? Do I I even count? Because technically I don't want you to spend any more of the money on on Warhammer. So obviously, uh, Miss Cron over here, my wife, is... Obviously, I want that not for anything <laughs> anything she's going to see. Um, but today we're covering the Endless Spells, Beasts of Chaos. And that is for Age of Sigmar. And it includes uh, three plastic end- Endless Spells. One of them being a charging bull. It's a fiery bull, actually. A flock of spectral crows is uh, three bases of that. And a terrifying bestial horn, which... If it's a cornucopia. It is a cornucopia if I ever saw one. I'm assuming... Uh, Maybe it used to... I don't know. Do you blow it and it like makes a sound or something? I don't I, understand. I don't know. And here's what I also don't know about it. Is that if they had not described it with that adjective of terrifying, I would not understand that this was supposed to be terrifying. I, it looks like a cornucopia. You know, we should be thankful for what it's giving. <laughs> It's like a pilgrim cast it. That's what it looks like. Um, so, And the bull doesn't have back legs. I mean, like, it's kind of cool. It's got flames coming off of it. But it doesn't have... It would not be able to actually functionally move. Um, it's a spell. So I guess it's just... Uh, dude, I don't know. It's on a big base. That's the ironic thing. It's like a huge base for this without legs. It looks like a... If you really look at... Blur your eyes, it looks like a nugget of charcoal with legs. Well, it's the way it's painted. I mean, I understand it's going to change depending on how you paint it. Yeah, if you painted it red, it would look like a half-eaten strawberry. It or would. Or brown would be a half-eaten nugget. I could see so, that. So, yeah, I just... I mean, these are pretty cool, I guess. It's, they're painted, honestly. They're, they're painted really cool, but I don't know how you, you... So you explained a little bit of what they actually were before we started talking about them. And I like the bats. I mean, you call them crows, but they look like bats They're spectral to me. crows. They're little bats on a base. They're pretty cool. Um, yeah, but, I like them. So remind me again exactly. These come onto the battlefield when they're cast, and they have points associated with them. Yeah, you gotta pay. You gotta pay points for them, and they are cast. And then whoever goes second on the turn uh, gets to control them. Which that's a whole another topic for another day because I don't really like how endless spells work. 
But I mean, these are neat, I guess. Um, let's let's take a closer look at that cornucopia. Oh man, that it is. Has, it does have a bull damn. skull at the bottom of it. Damn, that that's is, terrifying. That's a terrifying cornucopia if I ever saw one. <laughs> or what was that thing called? The hearing horn thingy that the old people used to put in their ears way back in the oh, day? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what that's called. But yeah, I know what you're it's talking like a about. hearing aid. I think I, I think I like the terrifying hearing aid better. A terrifying hearing aid. So, um, I mean, it's pretty okay, neat. Okay, those are, those are crows. I see those up close now. Yeah, they're crows. And it's pretty neat how they've got them. You know, it's a flock, but there's... You know, It'd be the, difficult to paint. The model is just supporting itself by its wings overlapping. Like that's that's pretty cool. You know, it gives you the idea that it is a flock, but I would get but I would think I don't obviously play, but I would say that would be difficult to paint and probably store. Like I could definitely see that breaking. Um not the cornucopia or the bull so much, but the bat thingies, the sorry, the spectral crows, um, I could definitely see them breaking. Like, I would be concerned that they would fall off their base. There's not much connecting them. Yeah. They're pretty neat, though. I, I guess they're okay. I don't know. This one doesn't strike me. I do like the bull. It's a little funky. doesn't have back legs. Like I said, he's a piece of charcoal. And the cornucopia, I don't even know about. I don't see how that's terrifying. It's not, not terrifying. I, I don't think that would be. But um, maybe it was full of vegetables. That would be terrifying. Uh, you wouldn't go anywhere near it. No. Uh, the Endless Spell, so it's $35 for these five models. So do you have to cast them? Like, they don't come onto the board. They have to be cast once everybody else has started playing. Yeah. But you have to pay for them ahead of time. Yes. So if they kill the guy that can cast these before you cast them, you then lose those points. Absolutely. Yeah, if they kill your wizard before you can cast this, you just lose. And so what's the point of the wizard, like... I guess if you go second and your wizard gets killed, then there's no point, right? Well, I guess this is a topic for another day. So yes, and that's to why I said... want these or want these not, I guess? Um, you know, I have had... I have heard the the call of the Beastmen recently because they had a new release of Beastmen. Did you buy them? The, no, I didn't. I don't have that army. Yet. <laughs> Wink. No, I don't have that army. Um, but I uh, I do really like the their models and everything. And these are pretty neat. These are like specially um, designed for the Beastmen. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think I'd pass on this. I'm not a huge fan of Endless Spells. And for $35 for these, I'm not. I'm kind of on the fence about. Um, plus, the Cornucopia just looks dumb, frankly. And you get some birds. You get half of a bowl. And you get a horn. I don't know. It's, it's not like a really bad Thanksgiving. It is a bad Thanksgiving. Someone burnt the bowl. That's what that looks like. And the bird, the birds are undercooked or undersized. Don't yeah. get much meat off of them. That's where you get nuggets. Oh, that's where you get, you get your nuggets. nuggets yeah. Your traditional Thanksgiving nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. thirty-five dollars. I think I'll pass on this. This is a want that not. I mean, it's whatever I, I don't know endless spells i think are stupid to begin with and i don't play this army and this doesn't even entice me to play this army so this is me just being a negative nancy but i want this not see honestly i i think they could do something with the bull like if you really like to paint and you wanted a good challenge like you could make this look really cool but you would have to have the right army to kind of incorporate it with and i like the little crow bat thingies but i think they would be extremely difficult to paint um so if it if if i did play in some theoretical universe that has no dice um i would probably not buy this so this would probably be a want that not but i would be encouraged to see what other people could do with it i would definitely say at least for painting uh the bowl is a pretty neat piece yeah it's, i like how the the one that they have here is a sample it's kind of got the flames coming through the charcoal yeah, through all the creases in his skin, yeah. has the glow. That's that's pretty cool. The horn does not interest me at all. And I guess the bat flock is, uh, I mean, the, the bird flock is kind of neat. But, eh, like I said, $35 for this, and I don't even like endless spells. I think I'll pass on that. So you don't want it? Uh, I don't play, so no, I don't want you to buy it, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll buy it for you if you want. No, I, I appreciate that. Thank you, though. All right, well, that's a pass. I'll pass on this. Now, here's an idea. Yeah, man, I don't know what to do. These hemorrhoids are getting worse and worse and worse, man. Dude, that is awful. I'm, I know, I'm sorry it's terrible. to hear that. I just, I can't get past it. Have you tried ointment, creams, preparation H? Oh, God, Pimpcron, it's recording. What? It's recording. Oh, I hit record. Oh, I'll, I'll edit it out. That's fine. Uh, I'll just keep going with it. So I'll, I'll cut all this out. Okay. So, um... 
what were we going to do? The, um, oh, it's, um, well, here's an idea. Okay. So it, welcome back everybody. It's, well, here's an idea with the Pimpcron and Lore Master Alex. Hey guys. And today we wanted to discuss how, uh, well, here's an idea. Don't be a dickhead. That's, that's the topic of today's conversation. I feel like this is going to be one of those ones where we're going to get a lot of response to it. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Um, and uh, you know all the regular channels to get a hold of me, pimpcron.gmail.com uh, and Facebook slash pimpcron and the phone number I never remember with a bunch of ones in it. So anyway, today we want to discuss how to be a better player and be an asset to, com to your community instead of being a detriment. The guy that everybody hates. Yes, and a lot of groups have that guy that nobody wants to play against because he's no fun to play against. Exactly. And where's the fun in that? Well, for that one dude, I guess it's... Well, actually, eventually it becomes not even fun for him. He might smash face for a while, but then once you can't get a game because no one wants to play you, then that doesn't even become fun for him. Yeah. So the first point that I'd like to make is that wargaming is like every other relationship, whether it's friendship or it's intimate or whatever is that it can't just all be me, me, me. So you have to think about the other person and make sure they're also having a good time and they're enjoying themselves. Now, of course, we're not talking about like competitive play. Like We're not talking about during a tournament. We're just talking about if you're at your local game store playing. Yeah, pickup games. Because a tournament, all uh, no holds barred, you know, you're, you're trying to win at a Get tournament. Get naked, put a diaper on, do yes. what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> so a big portion of this, a key to being a good player and an asset to your community is to make sure that you communicate exactly what you're you want out of your game right so you have to be honest not only with the other player but with yourself yeah. so often we find power gamers that want a oh a quote-unquote fun game and their definition of fun is entirely different than the other person's definition of fun. Yeah, putting the person's mouth on the curb and stomping it in is their definition of fun. Yes, and the other person, you know, brought this fluffy army or whatever just for their version of fun. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about it, the whole competitive scene is very selfish to begin with because it's all about me, 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 I'm winning, I'm the winner, you're defeated. And obviously this is a game and everybody wants to win to some extent. Yeah. But with a casual game, it's more like, Hey, let's make sure we're on this. We have the same footing and we're on the same level with our lists and everything else. And then let's see who's the better yeah, general. Let's see who. Ha let's see what happens. Yeah, and there's a lot more of a relaxed, casual aspect to that. Right. Um. So, uh, number one, you should discuss whether or not you're going to be playing like tournament style, like you said, with no holds barred, where anything goes, mm -hmm. or you need to discuss whether or not you are uh, just looking for a casual game and. A casual game should mean a couple things. Hmm. Number one, in our group, we decide, we discuss, are you taking flyers? Can I take flyers? Right. The same thing goes with uh, super heavies. Are you taking super heavies? Can, oh, can I? Can I take super heavies? Yes. And you both will agree, and you can't be afraid to speak up and go, well, actually, I really don't feel like dealing with flyers this game. I'm not bringing anything for it. And yeah. the other person has to be like, oh, well, okay, that's fine. But you've both agreed to it. Yeah. You know, something that really gets people butthurt in this game a lot of times is when something is, uh, something surprises you, something gets sprung on you. Yeah. So for instance, like, um, the, the person you're like, oh, let's have a friendly game, blah, blah, blah. And the person brings three Imperial Knights. Well, shit. Well, shit. You've got nothing to deal with three Imperial I brought a Knights. bunch of infantry with anti-infantry <laughs> yes. weaponry. My flamers aren't going to do nothing to that knight. Exactly. Or same thing with flyers or something. You don't take anything with flyers. Now, of course, in this edition, flyers are easier to kill, deal with yeah, yeah. than they used to be. But um, God, flyers used to be such a pain in the ass when they first came out. They really were. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a big deal of it, I think, is communication. Yeah, I agree. And you want to, like I said, you have to be honest with yourself. You might say, I want a, I want a friend, fun, friendly game, but is that what you really want? Or do you want a competitive, you know? Yeah, are you sure about that? Yes, because a lot of people will hide behind that, oh, I want a friendly game, and they there's, don't. There's a great meme, actually, that it's a Nerf Vulcan, you know, the, the Nerf gun. Oh, yeah. It says, when you bring two Bane Blades to a thousand point game and somebody loading an AK mag into the Nerf Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that kind of hits the nail on the head for this conversation. Now, when you said Nerf Vulcan originally, I was thinking of a plushie of Spock. 
Like that's that's just a, a Vulcan okay. made of Nerf. Okay, so it's a Vulcan loading it, a Nerf Vulcan <laughs> yeah. loading an AK forty seven. Take it how you want it. But one of the things I want to throw into this too is and it, about losing, you know, with grace. Uh huh. I think that's a, a really good point. Is that I know a lot of guys who throw temper tantrums when they lose. You yep. know what I mean? And get real salty real fast. And, you know, in the end of the day, this is just a game, guys. I can understand if, you know, if you're in an actual shootout, you want to win. I get that. Of course. That. But this is just a miniatures game. What's gonna? What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to go home, take a shower, kiss your wife on the cheek, go to bed. You know what I mean? Take or, a poop. Or, or if you're by yourself, take a poop, crank one out, and go to bed. It's go. whatever you want to do. But, you know, like, in the end of the day, it's not the end of the world if you lose. Far too many people, and we're talking about the competitives, um, base their entire self-worth on whether or not they won their game recently. Right. And like you said, if you're going into a friendly game and you're not trying to be a dickhead, then you need to accept the fact that, okay, well, I might not win this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what's fi- what's interesting about that is is that narrative battles, like true fluff narrative battles, um, like if you're trying to reenact anything from history or for from 40k lore or anything like that, um, most of those battles are one-sided in some fashion. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you might be the defender, and you're thinking, "Geez, I'm probably not going to survive this, but what can I do?" to still be successful and win the day, even though I might get wiped off the board. One of the things I love about when you and I play is that we always, uh, I always come up with like a narrative as to why our factions are fighting that day. Yes. Which is something I think helps us keep our games very friendly and not so competitive. Absolutely. Uh, Neither one of us are competitive people anyway, though. Yeah. And I'm much more, and so are you, much more about just having fun shooting the bowl and throwing some dice around and, and whatever. Well, unless I'm in bed, then I'm a more competitive person you're more comp- okay yeah well i'm not gonna touch that i don't know anything <laughs> yeah. about the master in bed but um <laughs> so do you have anything else to add uh not really just don't be a dick don't be a dick that i think may be the tagline for this podcast yeah pimpcron warhammer podcast don't be, be a, a dick, dick. <laughs> so hopefully uh if you are a dick and you've been listening to this podcast cut we're... that shit out well yeah cut the shit out but also um, hopefully we're changing you because this is not a competitive podcast in any way. You know what's funny is that um, anybody that knows anything about Shorehammer knows that we are like a casual, fun convention. We're not at all in the hyper-competitive whatever. Yeah. And all of our con- all of our tournaments are geared towards um, fun. You know, I mean, you're still trying to win because it's a tournament, but a lot of it's neutered. We play like our major event is a Highlander. And things like that. So you can only take one of each unit. It cuts out cheese. Yeah. I don't allow any super heavies or Forge World or anything like that. And it's funny because I was told through the grapevine that somebody was bad-mouthing Shorehammer on a competitive, uh, I'll just say website for uh, to, to keep it anonymous. But somebody was um, bashing Shorehammer on a competitive website because of my quote-unquote obsession with casual and fluff play. And that really tickles me, because that <laughs> means that that, that, has, that whole idea of casual fluff play supersedes the whole event and everything. It's like your uh, reputation precedes you. Yeah. So people are getting to the point where, you know, last year we had one guy that was hyper-competitive, and he didn't want to be there. Like, he, he didn't even buy the ticket. He bought it from a friend who was going to go but then couldn't. And he stuck out like a sore thumb, and everybody was like, who's this dickhead? Yeah. Because he stuck out like a sore thumb. I bet you that's the guy who badmouthed you. Uh, who knows? I don't yeah. know. Because I'm hearing this third third, third part, yeah. yeah. So I don't um, I don't know. I wanted to look it up, but I'm not part of the group, so I'm trying to join the group so then I can look and see exactly what they said. But <laughs> Like, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so anyway, I just wanted to bring that up is that, um, you know, people have a real distaste for casual and fluff play if they're competitive. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so I am going to put the kibosh on this segment. Thank you for being with me, Mr. Loremaster. Thanks for having me. And don't be a dickhead. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Hey, people. You know what time that is. It is time for Real Talk with the Pimpcron. And today... I have the North American Sasquatch, <laughs> Loremaster Alex. 
<laughs> so I was looking out my back window of my house and I have a wooded yard and Alex just happened to be strolling by and I took a fuzzy picture of him and he was kind of like looking over his shoulder at me and then um, uh, I attempted it with cookies and now here we are. And then he got me to put pants on because my dick was out the whole time. <laughs> oh, God. Well, there's that. You scared my children. Yeah. Um, no, none of that happened, by the way. God, anytime I bring up children, I'm afraid they're going to call Child Protective Services. It's all a joke, people. Yeah. Um, so today, speaking of calling the authorities, oh, we, we have a touchy subject. And that is what, Mr. Loremaster? Why aren't there more female models in Warhammer. Okay. Well, um, I'm sure everyone has an opinion on this. Do you want to start, Mr. Alex? Yeah. Now, here's my thing. I'm not saying, like, SJW, superstar kind of thing. Like, let's not go crazy. No female space marines. Nothing like that. Nothing that would break the lore. But, like, okay, I get it. We have the Sisters of Battle. They're all chicks. Cool. But they haven't had a, a new model in how many years? I'm talking, like... Okay, well, actually, wait... That's a fallacy, because didn't they just have that new model like a year ago? A one new model. <laughs> one new model. One new model. Really? <laughs> well, you can't actually get the rest of the models because they're all metal. I'm just saying you said, how long has it been since they had a new model? And I said they do have a okay, new model. Okay, Mr. Split Hairs. Okay. So go ahead. But aside from my point. But then also you got to take into account, like, why aren't there female guardsmen? I mean, the fem female guardsmen are characters in a lot of books and stuff like that. The Dan Abnett series comes to mind, Gaunt's Ghosts. They have plenty of female characters in those novels. Mm -hmm. um, why don't we have female cultists? You know, it just kind of bugs me that it's like, oh, all heavily male-centric, where I think it would be kind of cool to mix in chicks and stuff like that with the different units. It makes you guys look more, what's the word I'm looking for, unique. Yeah. Makes them look, you know, that you've got, you know, oh, you've got this chick manning a massive flamethrower and a Katchkin jungle fighter team. You know, uh -huh. you've got like, you know, a female sniper with a Cadian sniper team with the cloak and the binoculars. And it doesn't take much to make that happen. It's now, just a torso swap, honestly, because they all wear those baggy Cadian pants or whatever. So, exactly. So it really would just and a be head a, head, a head and a, yeah. Now, um, <laughs> for comedic effect, you could make them with Katachin arms. I mean, uh, yeah, catch yeah, arms. Super buff the chicks. Huge buff, yeah. Which would make sense, though, because if you look at the lore, Katacha in general, the Katacha jungle fires are supposed to be shorter than normal guardsmen. Because their gravity? Yeah, their gravity is like, uh, like I think, like two times the normal gravity pool. Yeah. So they, and they get really ripped because of that. They're constantly moving against gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, which would make sense. It would be hilarious. So... Um, I am completely in agreement with you about the female guardsmen because I don't or see cultists. why or cultists. Yeah. Um, just like they do with the witches for Dark Eldar and the Cabalite warriors for Dark Eldar. Yeah. They just have some female torsos and female heads. Yeah. It wouldn't be too simple. expensive. Now, I know like there are third party miniature companies like Victoria Miniatures that literally specialize in that. Uh, toughest girls in the galaxy, but I don't know if they make guardsmen. I don't think they do either. Because they make a lot of stuff for female stuff, but um, yeah. so yeah, we're both in agreement there. I don't know why. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that now with GW's new direction they're taking with gender issues, pretty sure that the next time we get an update for guardsmen, especially Catachins, those models are awful. Yeah. Um, as soon as we get an update for them, I'm willing to bet we'll have female torsos, female heads, and and that would be pretty cool. And like you, they did like an upgrade kit, like they did for the Blood Angels and the Space Wolves and the Dark Angels, where it's just torsos and heads. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah, like I'd my basement. It. Yeah. Like my basement, just torsos and heads. <laughs> well, let's be fair, Scott. It's our basement. <laughs> it's our basement. Um. So basically, there are some races, obviously, that are not going to have females. Like, orcs um, reproduce asexually. Yeah, they're so, fungus. Yeah, they're fungus. So you can't have... Um, now, what would be kind of funny is if you could make, like, a commando orc and have him, like, with, like, fake like fake oranges or something in a dress with, like, a fake wig on. Like, he's trying to attract a guardsman. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. Like it, with Two squigs in his shirt? Yeah, two squigs in his shirt. And he's got, like, <laughs> he's doing a sexy pose, but behind his back, he's got, like, a, a thing, a debt pack or something. Yeah. Like a stick bomb. <laughs> yeah, that actually would be pretty funny. But, so, what are the races that don't have females? Necrons, I mean, 
so now that they've been retconned to actually have personalities, Necrons yeah. could have females. But I hope, I really hope it would be so lame if we have, like, Fembot, like, with boobs. Yeah, right? Like, like I don't know if, if they it gave would be us, good. Oh, no, I would not. But, I mean, like, maybe if they did something where, like, they made the face a little more slender, a little more feminine to determine, to distinguish that that's a female Necroteer. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Something like, it's make it like a royalty person, like a princess or something. Something that would keep their personality. Yeah, and and in that case, then I could definitely see it. Yeah, but you know, we're supposed to be skeletons, and we're all the same on the inside. We'll be so scary skeleton. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, we're all the same on the inside. Yeah. So the Necrons really half the warriors probably are female. Yeah, and we don't know it. So and also they're the warriors. They're the they're the drones. They're not. They don't get to keep their personalities. Yes. Right. Yeah. So so I'm pretty sure that half of them, probably fifty two percent or fifty one percent, whatever human female percentages of the population. Um, I'm sure that percentage is probably female. Yeah. Um, orcs don't have females. Tyranids, technically, I mean, even though they do, like, give birth to things, kind of, like a yeah. Trepagon. I mean, you would, if you think about it, the bio pool is actually the, the female. The womb. The womb, yeah. you know? So that, I, I would say, I'm not talking, like, breaking, oh, that, the, breaking the lore. I'm just That saying. is just a terrible, terrible image. Hold on a second. So this, this <laughs> pool of biomass, okay? With you, giant... And fleshy lips. Now you know, you know exactly. And a shrubbery placed right above it. You know oh, what I mean? Oh God, that is just awful. So, but wait a second. So, Scott, this tell me is... what you would do if your wife was going to labor, and like you look around the corner, and it's a ripper coming out. No, <laughs> no, a... that's just that's too much. That's it's too much for you. Yeah, that's too much. But think about this: is a you're saying it's a it's a a pool of biomass is the woman and you know what the um devouring the mass gathering people do the rippers yeah well no like the um uh carnifex no no the uh the feeder beasts you know like um rippers i suppose but also those bigger ones too like yeah. the um uh harispex i think it is yeah the harris um you know they eat and they gulp up the biomass they're just puking in this in this tub or pooping i don't know if they maybe they poop well it comes out their mouth so they, they maybe throw they throw it back up. Yeah, I was. So they're bulimic. Yeah, that's classic. Well, the rippers just throw themselves into the pool. Like they be are like little, basically they're little sperms. They be like they be like they be like sperm. little sperm. They're giant sperms, what they are. Yeah. Um. So tyranids don't technically have male and female, um, because they re reproduce kind of asexually too. Off topic. I really would like to domesticate a ripper and have it as a pet. I'm just saying. You know, um, those... Uh, we'll I've get seen, rid of pests. We'll get... I've seen cute little pictures of, you know, like a Adeptus Sororitas, like holding a, a ripper and it's got the little heart. And, yeah, it's actually kind of cute. But... Yeah. I mean, I, I, come on. You got to admit, you would want like one of those little bastards. Like, you know, your neighbor's cat just keeps taking shits in your lawn instead of the ripper. <laughs> so, no... <laughs> um, so Eldar are very gender equal and, yeah, and both Eldar for that matter. Dark especially Eldar and Eldar. Dark Eldar. Yeah. Yeah. Are um gen and Harlequins. Yeah. So the the Eldar as far as if we're talking about gender e gender equality, um Eldar is like on the cutting edge here. Yeah. Actually Necrons too, I guess, except for all the bosses are dudes. Do you think the female well, overlords get paid half? <laughs> Jesus Christ, God. No, what I'm trying to say is hear me <laughs> Someone Lots. is angry now. Yep. Listening to this. I can hear I can hear Someone. the keyboard <laughs> slamming away right now. I am so offended. <laughs> oh, God. No, no, no. What I'm trying to say is, if you actually look at it historically speaking, they are an old hierarchy, and they're an old monarchy. Uh So a monarchy is, um, I believe is the monarchy is is a male centric. No, mo monarchy means just one archy, one leader. Well, I know there's like a different phrase they use for like a f a feminine, an oligarchy or something. Oh, like oh, that. oh! No, you're thinking of like a patriarchy or Patri a matriarchy. Matriarchy yeah. or patriarchy. Yeah. They are a patriarchal society before they turned, so that's why most of the men are at the top of the list, I would assume. But don't quote me on that. I don't know, but at least we do know that Eldar, even their models, are basically 50-50. Yeah. So it's Which weird. I think is fair. It's weird because the witch cults are called witches, but half of them are dudes. Well, you know. Which is, but it's funny because witch is usually a female word. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a, it has a female condens, conden, condensation. Yes. Condensation. It's got a female condensation. You know what I mean? Um, a, uh, a female connotation. Connotation. Yeah. Thank you. Jackass. Um, condensation. I'll fart again. Don't no, God, please don't. All right.
I'll gas you. Um, <laughs> so what are the other races? I mean... Um, well, look at the machine cult. I know. don't think there's any female in that. Yeah, there really isn't. I'm pretty sure there's and, no female models. And I'm not saying make anything slooty, but I'm saying like, you know, like some of the van, some, well, I mean the Vanguard and stuff like that, and the Skatari, you can, you, you wouldn't be able to really tell, but like some of the tech priests and the Magoses and stuff like that. They're all male, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least the models are. Um, but, uh, now, okay. So we have a, a point where we don't agree. You don't agree with female space Marines. Well, explain this bigot <laughs> well here's my thing in the lore uh -huh. yeah they always say that it's predominantly men who what is make the quest in these feral worlds that are selected okay what's to say that a woman couldn't be selected to become a space marine i'm not against that wait wait you said you didn't want female space marines it goes against the lore it does go against the I'm lore. putting you on the spot i'm saying it goes against the lore right now now, if Games Workshop alters the lore and they make it tasteful, I might support it. <laughs> like a tasteful nude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the ones I send you, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. like that. Um. <laughs> um, so, I don't, you know, we actually have, I've gotten arguments online. Not arguments, but, like, I really don't carry the way if yeah. they have female space marines or not. But everyone claims lore issues, and I'm like, I don't really care. Honestly, if they have female space marines, big whoop-de-doo. Yeah. It's just one of the uh, things where it's like, I think, it, oddly enough, it has something to do with the actual genetic seed or gene gene seed code. They claim like that. that the females couldn't do it or because, whatever, couldn't handle it. Because it's, they're basically getting male genetic code being put into them. So mm -hmm. I feel like that would just kind of defeat the purpose. Mm. And it would, for all intended purposes, I, I feel like they would become male, if, even if they were female. We, oh, please, God, don't even touch that subject. No, I'm saying, like, just, <laughs> I'm just saying because of the, the genetic, they're basically getting their genetic code rewritten. Oh, please, Emperor, don't touch that subject of females turn into men. We do not need that kind of press on this show. You're, you got a point, you got a point. Um, I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, think of it this way. When you become a space marine, there is a small part of the Primarch put inside of you. With every genetic code. Oh my god, Scott. Grow the fuck up. <laughs> Jesus. I'm trying to make a point here, man. So wait, so you're saying being a space marine is exactly like being an altar boy. Is that what you're saying? In order to be accepted into it, he's got to put a little piece of himself in you. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying that every organ that gets put into your body, like... <laughs> God dang it, Scott. I'm talking like the extra hearts, the extra lung capacity that, that, that you're given, the um, the one organ they put in your spinal column where you're able to power power armor. All of those organs are developed in test tubes and vats, and the genetic code is taken from the Primarch's design. So technically, every Space Marine of each chapter and successor chapter are in some way related to the Primarch. That's why they always call them their fathers. Yeah, and, and why Primarchs and the gene seeds address are them reused. As, yeah, and yeah, and the Primarchs address them as their sons. Of course, Primaris Marines have completely altered that, though. Oh uh, no, they still use a gene seed, but um, I, I believe, and now I'm no lore master, Mister Alex, but mm -hmm. um, uh, Call had genes from like pure genes from all the Primarchs. Who did you say? Call Belsarius Call the oh, um yeah. the Mechanicus dude. Yeah. And um, uh, so he has, and he even has the, uh, I'm getting off topic here, but he even has the lost chapters, like Alpha Legion and all those. He has their gene seeds as well from the Primarchs. Stored. So stored from, so he, that's how they can like um give you Ultramarines reinforcements or whatever from um Primaris, for he Primaris. Pulls from the, he pulls from the gene bank. Yes. Okay. And um, that's why... uh. I believe that's also why they're larger is because the it's it's like it's like a fresher it's fresher preserved. yeah yeah um and I think from them reusing the gene seed over you know ten thousand years that's why the diluted. space marines are getting yeah. smaller and smaller and they're extracting it from the dead space marines too so if you think about it, it makes sense yeah um it's only the freshest ingredients in yeah. this better in this pizza gene. better delivery Imperium that's the truth man. that is the truth <laughs> better space marines better imperial. <laughs> So no women. That's, that's basically what they're saying. No, I really don't. I don't know. That doesn't trigger me at all. Like it, since there is no female space marines, I don't care. Yeah, maybe and there's then, no female primarchs. Either, and if so. there were, I also don't give a shit. Yeah, neither, so, neither would I. I. I don't. 
I'm saying if they incorporate it in some way, sure, I can back it up. Part of me really, really wishes that they would take, um, because Adeptus Sororitas has gotten no love in so long, that when Please, they... plastic models, Games Workshop. Give yeah, me they, plastic they, models. They keep teasing it. I don't know. I, think... I mean, it's like... Give me my sister of battle plastic <laughs> miniatures, please. Um, so you've completely derailed my train of thought now. You're welcome. Um, what was I gonna say? So it would be really interesting if they um, they came out with new Adeptus Sororitas and they actually had some sort of gene enhancement. Yeah. Because right now I believe they don't. I think they're kind of like guardsmen in the fact that they're just like you know tough women. They're not like enhanced at all. Yeah, I so think, and they're also psychically, if I remember correctly, because I haven't read my sister's battle lore in a while, but they're given like psychic fortitude to withstand. Like they're basically well, their selected. Faith. Yeah, they're yeah. selected because of their faith because it gives them fortitude against the powers of chaos. Yeah, but it'd be pretty interesting if they actually got like um beefier women like basically not i guess primaris but you know like they actually start getting like genetically altered yeah or even bionically altered because they did um uh they handled what's that um all-female gang in necromunda i can't remember it oh shoot i have no idea but the models for them Mm-hmm. Some of those women are beefier, kind of like um, like Xena Warrior Princess. Like oh they're, yeah. Like, but they're done well. They don't. They're not over sexualized, and they're not like She Hulk. Yeah. They're like a nice in between where they're like beefy and sturdy. Like you but feel like if feminine. they punched you in the face, you're you dead. You would feel it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that would be pretty cool to have Adeptus Sororitas like that. Kind of yeah. like a Klingon warrior woman. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like Klingon warrior women. They're they're badass. And still semi-attractive um, for alien species. Ursa and uh, I can't think of the other name. There's two two sisters in Star Trek Next Generation. Huh. It was... Because um, I remember actually I started... Because thanks ba- to ba- you... Bator and Ursa, I think their names yeah. were. Thanks to you, Mr. Pimpcron. I've actually started watching Deep Space Nine. What? Yeah. Not the porn version. No. Oh. No, not deep not deep nine inches. <laughs> the deep nine. Yeah, not the deep nine. <laughs> well, I guess this topic has just brought out the second grade in us. I know. Because we have had <laughs> Mr. More... Giggles over yeah, here. Yeah, I just... So he puts it in you. He, he puts a little piece of himself in you. <laughs> well, I'm saying any organ, and then you just start laughing He even puts hard. just the tip of his organ in you. <laughs> Is it bad that for me, I imagine the organ is in like an actual organ at, at, an organ. at, like at a church, you know? <laughs> so, um, all in all, though, is there any races that we missed that do or don't have females? Um, Tau have what one woman? Yeah, I've also noticed that there's there. I don't, I don't, 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 uh, don't everybody beat me to death, but I don't think they have any really female inquisitors, do they? Like, there's only like one inquisitor model that's a female. Uh, the new one, Grayfax. Yeah, she was obviously female, and apparently she's from a book or something. I'm gonna, if I remember correctly, I believe she's from the Eisenhorn and Ravener series. Maybe she is. Don't, um, qu- don't quote me. I'm pretty sure though that they had old metal models that were females. I thought. Like the Witch Hunters or something? Yeah, like the Witch Hunters Inquisition, I think, did, didn't they? They had, like, a female Inquisitor. But that's, like, it. Like, I would like for them to have, like, you know, additional henchmen and stuff like that, And too. female guard officers would be cool, too. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, Lieutenant Mira, shout out. Is that from the game? Space Marine. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Um, so, all in all, um, that is basically all I have to say about this. Do you have anything else to add besides that you wish they would send out plastic sisters and you wish they would have female guardsmen and female cultists um well tell us what you guys think you know what i mean if um do you think that i mean oh well if you get a chance check out victoria miniatures until games workshop finally does i'd recommend checking them out they, just... they do a lot of really cool modifications and they have different types of um kits for all the different factions um uh cadian kachikan Really? Death Corps of Krieg, Mordians, even Penal Legions and stuff like that. Female versions? Female versions and male versions. That's neat. And they do really good work. So I would definitely recommend checking them out. Victoria Miniatures. Neat. All right. Well, thank you for being on with me, Mr. Alex. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I will talk to you all in just a few minutes after the next bumper. I've used all the dating sites that are out there, and each one is exactly the same. Full of players and losers who only want one thing. That's when I found out about joining Pimpcron on Patreon. With a simple monthly donation, I get all of the love and support from Pimpcron that I could possibly want. 
See you later, dating websites. I've got the patreon.com backslash pimpcron. Let's get brutal. Hey everybody, it's the Pimpcron, and it's Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron. This is part two of our coverage of Ishtar herself, the lady behind the lore of my free rules, use your own models, skirmish war game called Brutality Skirmish War Game. And I am um, organizing this into just a bunch of nuggets of neat information about her and the people that follow her. So you'll recall, possibly, that there is a faction that you can play as in my game called Cult of the One Mother. And basically, they have not decided to fight against Ishtar like so many of the other residents have. They've actually decided, you know what, we're going to embrace this and we're going to accept her blessing. And we are just happy uh, being freaky sex maniacs and whatnot under her name. So... This, if you feel like making a warband of the Cult of the One Mother, maybe some of this backstory of Ishtar and her real-world ancient Earth followers may give you a little bit to work with here as far as their motivation. So first off, we have, and this is from, you know, this is very hard to collect because Ishtar, as I said in the previous edition, Ishtar went by several, several, several different names. Basically, all of the ancient religions just listened to what the other one said and said, hmm, I'm going to use most of this. I'm just going to rename everybody. So she went by Inanna, Ishtar, Astartes, Esther, whatever. She's in a dozen different religions. Um, but the cult of Ishtar it has been associated with a variety of sexual rites, including homosexual transvestite priests and sacred prostitution. You heard that right. Ishtar knew how to party. Um... Ishtar was the enforcer of divine justice. She destroyed a mountain because it challenged her authority. <laughs> and she unleashed her fury upon the gardener after he apparently raped her in her sleep. Which, of course, you know, all these old stories are a bit brash and gross. But she murdered a gardener after he raped her in her sleep. And then she tracked down a bandit woman and killed her in divine retribution for having murdered a friend of hers. Actually, her husband. There's like a million different names uh, for her husband as well. These All these people have multiple personalities. But anyway, so back to her followers. Androgynous and hermaphroditic men were heavily involved in the cult of Ishtar. During Sumerian times, a set of priests known as Gala worked in... Ishtar's temples, where they performed elegies and lamentations. But here's the kicker. The Gala, which are the priests, Gala took female names, even though they were men, and spoke in a dialect which was traditionally reserved for women. And they appear to have engaged in homosexual intercourse, which is, um, like I said, Ishtar knew how to party. Things were pretty crazy over in her temples. During the Akkadian period, there were servants of Ishtar who dressed in female clothing and performed war dances in Ishtar's temples. Several Akkadian proverbs seem to suggest that they have also had homosexual proclivities. In one Akkadian hymn, Ishtar is described as transforming men into women. So you see this whole homosexual thing is not new, you know, it's come to the spotlight in the last 20 years or so, but it is, it is as old as time, that's for certain. And, uh, you know, the Sumerians date, the, the epics of Ishtar date to about um, 2000 BC. So this is f long, long, long before Christians. So, um, yeah, the, she, she's, uh, her temple is rife with um, sex and um, sexualized rituals and sexual offerings. And there was a tradition where every female that worshipped Ishtar was supposed to make at least one trip in their lifetime, like a pilgrimage, to one of the major Ishtar temples to offer themselves to somebody outside sexually. And that was their offering to Ishtar. Doesn't matter if they were married. It had no bearing on their marriage. It was not considered cheating or anything like that. Uh, the men, I did not find that the men had to do this, but the women did, because I suppose Ishtar is a woman and this is their solidarity with her. So this was kind of a free love 
do what you want, have a good time kind of group, and um, which you know most of the um, the Christian uh, thoughts afterwards doesn't seem to quite follow up with. But um, now there are contrary claims that the priestesses engaged in ritual prostitution. It is more likely that they were in control of their choices of bedmates, along with the high priestesses engaging in the ritual enactment of the sacred marriage between Ishtar and her husband, with a young man of her choice once a year in the spring equinox. Now, if you're following all of that, during the spring equinox once a year, they just choose some young dude that they think is handsome and, and they have sex because, you know, for, for science, or at least for religion. And this is to um, represent the love between Ishtar and her husband. And I just think that's swell, I guess, if that's what they wanted to do. There was also stories I heard of where the king of an area that worshipped Ishtar would perform publicly a ritual sexual experience with the high priestess, the Ishtar high priestess in that same region. And this was like a, hey guys, you're going to the ball game on Friday night? More like, hey guys, you're going to witness the king have sex with the high priestess? It was one of those things. So that was also once per year. And um, it's pretty interesting because the tales of Ishtar make it very clear she was not shy in picking lovers and promoting them to kingship, and her priestesses would have followed her example. So it's very interesting because the whole Ishtar thing, you know, we, we talk about homosexuality as if it's a new thing. We talk about, you know, um, women power, you know, the whole feminism movement and things like that. We talk about that as if those are new things. But in the span of things, all of that was already in Ishtar uh, 4,000 years ago, which is pretty interesting because the high priestesses of Ishtar's temples had enormous political power and they could basically choose whoever they wanted as a bedmate. They could make or break people. Um, they, you know, those were the people you had to impress. And it's funny because a lot of those ancient religions and ancient societies, we think of women as being subservient and the men ran the household. They were very patriarchal and whatnot. But when you read about Ishtar, she was actually the opposite of that. Women, held, if not higher, at least equal power with the men in their households and in their sexual relationships and their religious relationships. Now, it does seem to me, from what I've read, and boy, this is a serious mess to try to read into, but it does seem to me that women held a higher religious position in the church. And uh, if you really want to go into it, there's all kinds of strange, uh, <laughs> well, you know what, let me just put it this way. You've heard of drinking human blood, right? Okay. Have you ever heard of drinking fermented human blood? Better yet, have you heard of drinking fermented menstrual blood? Yeah. Those people knew how to party, I gotta tell you. Who needs drugs when you've just fermenting the bodily fluids of other people? So, I hope this has been really eye-opening for you, because it certainly was for me. And I won't go fully into that whole thing, but they had all kinds of ritualistic, uh, a lot of things had to do with blood and the power of blood, and um, a lot of that was intertwined with the power of the female anatomy and the female presence and the fertility and all of that. And unfortunately, I, I hope none of you think this is too far off topic from my talk about a skirmish war game, but when I discuss all of the backstory of the game, you have to realize that nobody ages and I've covered this before, but nobody gets pregnant because for a baby to develop, it would have to age. You know, it would have to grow and, and develop and nobody does that even a day after they're in the ether realm. So basically what Ishtar has made here in my story is that she has made a generator that is powered by faith and all of the things that she's themed with, which would be violence and sex, essentially. And there is a lot of sex, consensual and otherwise, in this realm. There's a lot of prostitution in this realm. And there's a lot of murder 
in this realm. So it's all the things that she just loves. Not to mention, she wants you to pray at her altars and give her attention and give her love. And she will, you know, sprinkle little blessings on you and, and take care of you a little bit. Because she was known to be good to her followers. Um, Ishtar, she was always depicted as a very young and beautiful but hot-headed woman. And she was very, very faithful, is another attribute of her. So, I hope you found this interesting. Um, I've used a variety of sources to compile this information about her. I may end up touching on her... Teehee. I may end up touching on her as a topic again in the future, because I just find her freaking fascinating. And it just goes to show, when you're looking back at history, that nothing's new. None of these social movements are new. None of these sexual proclivities are new. All of this has been going on literally since the dawn of time. Now, of course, you know, it wanes or it comes into the picture, you know, the, the focus more often or not. But uh, it's very, very interesting. And, and she can really... Ishtar really broke boundaries at that time and broke barriers. And she she's a, a good example for those who want to do it now. Anyway, um, I hope I didn't lose you at fermented menstrual blood. And I will see. <laughs> I. <laughs> God. Hey, let's go check out Pimpcon's War. Oh, shit. What is he talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even know. It's been a dark road researching Ishtar, I got to tell you. But anyway, hopefully, I haven't lost you. And I will see you next week on the Pimpcon Warhammer podcast. Thank you for listening.